Hello and welcome to the Voices from the Land, Indigenous Peoples Talk Language Revitalization Podcast, produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Tansi, I'm your host, Gordon Spence from the Tasquia Cree Nation in Northern Manitoba. I'm also the Indigenous Community Facilitator for the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Today, I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Andrew Bomberry, a Mohawk from the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. Andrew is a curriculum developer, writer, researcher, and teacher. Welcome. As part of the Legacy of Hope Foundation's mandate and mission, we are working to promote Indigenous language revitalization as a critical step in the healing of generations of survivors and their communities from colonial policies and practices which robbed Indigenous peoples of their first language. The goal of this project is to help support Indigenous language reclamation through interviews with Indigenous language teaching experts. The target audience for this work are Indigenous language teachers. We hope that by sharing accessible podcasts of interviews with people doing interesting and relevant work on language promotion, we can help facilitate the sharing of knowledge, ideas, and practices that are relevant to the teaching and learning of Indigenous languages. While there are many contexts that are particular to specific nations and dialects within their regions, we are hoping to provide additional tools and platforms that can help with the Indigenous language revitalization, despite the many differences. As part of our efforts to promote discussion and reflection on the impacts of being able to express yourself in your traditional language, we are reaching out to speakers or others who can provide context and elaboration on the insights values and worldviews that come along with being able to understand and express oneself in their own language. Our hope is that these interviews will help foster interest and action in those listening to pursue their original language or invigorate those who are teaching it, share their insights with their learners to further motivate and increase learner success. This afternoon, our guest is Harriet St. Pierre, Harriet is a midshift language speaker from the uh, Saskatchewan area. She's been awarded several awards related to her work in the midshift language development. Maybe I can ask Harriet to speak more about her background and a little bit more about herself. Harriet, good afternoon. Mm -hmm. Good afternoon. My name is Harriet. St. Pierre. I'm an elder. I'm 81 years old and I am a language keeper. I speak Michif. That is my mother tongue. I was born and raised speaking the language. I have done all types of work. I live in Yorkton, Saskatchewan right now. My first work was working for a farmer in Saskatchewan manuring the barn and everything like that. And then I got into working for a fish plant and I went to BC. I did professional house cleaning, nurse's aid, waitress, you name it. I've done all kind of work. And then I came back home to Saskatchewan and I worked in Saskatoon for St. Mary's School. I was an elder counselor and I worked for the whole school, all the students in the school from grade one to grade eight. I also worked in St. Michael's School in Sastone as an 
elder counselor and I worked with all the students there too. I really, really enjoyed it. And I retired when I was 65 years old and I missed my children so much that I, I was asked many times to go back, drop in and have a coffee with the staff, but I just didn't have the heart to do that and see my kids at school and make them feel bad to see me. And so I just stayed away. I have lived a beautiful life and I've raised six children on my own without their father. And I did a pretty good job raising them. I had four boys and two girls and I have two school teachers. I have one school teacher with a master's degree and I have a carpenter and I have a young boy that's working at SIIT in Saskatoon. And my one girl works at Walmart. The other girl has been working as a school teacher in the reserves in BC, all over in BC. So she doesn't speak our language, but she speaks their language the First Nation people in BC. She speaks their language. She's been teaching for about 40 years. She'll be retiring next year. So I'm pretty proud of myself. I think I did a very good job raising my children. They appreciate. And today when they all have their own families and, and see how hard it is to raise a family, they wonder how I ever did it on my own when they're struggling with two with mother and father and their children. So they now understand how hard a life I had. My boys just worship the ground I, I walk on. They just love me to pieces. And so I still had a very good life for raising my, my babies. They were all, I was very young when I had my first child. I was only 17 years old. And they're all like 13 months apart. I wasn't even 30 years old yet when I had all my six children already. So I was very young, but I'm happy to have had them. I love them. They're beautiful children. And so I'm happy uh, of the way my life had turned out. Egusima. Give me a thousand. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on... Uh, being a Métis person and speaking the Métis language. I want to ask you, first of all, uh, how do uh, Métis uh, people speak, uh, who speak and understand Métis language, how do they see the world? Uh, do they see it in a different way, uh, the ones that speak and understand Métis? The Métis language, when you are speaking to others in our mother tongue, in Mitchif, it just seems to bring everything out of you inside in a happy way. Your life, your past, you suddenly remember all the people from way back then. You remember when you're speaking Mitchif to someone else that speaks Mitchif. In the back of your mind comes all the ancestors that were back there that you grew up with or that raised you, like my kokum, my mother, my sisters and brothers who had passed on long ago. When I'm speaking to my sister now who is alive, she lives just outside of Regina here. Once in a while, we talk on the phone. When I start talking my language, all those people come into my mind.
and it makes me feel so good inside. It really does. It suddenly remember all the people in your past life. That is why a long time ago, our ancestors who spoke only Michif had such good memory growing up listening with concentration was an absolute. When they would talk about people or tell stories and you sat around on the floor while grandma, grandpa told stories, you really had to listen and put that in your mind and remember these stories so that when you grow older, you become a married woman, you have children, you pass these stories down to the younger generation. But you have to tell the stories only in the wintertime. You are never allowed to tell stories in the summertime. So we learned and heard the younger generation and they too, so on, would pass this on when I got older and I would tell the story, I used to tell a lot of stories of my playtime when I was a little girl because we were never bought any toys. Money was hard to come by. Every cent that we got in our home was for food and not necessarily all kind of food because my dad worked at a community farm, so we got our pork, our lard. The most important thing that they used to buy was tea, sugar, salt, baking powder. Even our flour came from the farm. Coal oil was another thing that you really needed because you had to turn on your lamp for nighttime so we can do our homework that we had brought home from school. You see, there was no writing in Michif. Long time ago, there was no writing. That's an unwritten language. They have to remember everything that grandma, mother, auntie, whoever was that was telling them about the life and how becoming a big girl or a big boy to make a living as a woman or a man Marriage, having a family was talked about back in those days, which you had to remember growing up. Keeping the home and children clean and loved. Getting food to provide daily was another special thing that the boys had to remember when the men were talking and letting the young boys know how to hunt and always, always put food on the table for the family. And so, so many more to learn and to prepare for old age while teaching the grandchildren, like skinning a rabbit, like skinning a buffalo and tanning the hide and making clothes. I'm talking about many, many years ago. And that's not my days. That was my Kokomushum's days. So this is why there was no written language because they had good memory. The memories were passed down from one generation to another. That's really uh, interesting to hear about native language being not in a written form, so, and everything has to be on memory. What are the personal challenges one faces when learning to speak the native language? 
the pronunciation would be the challenging when trying to teach the Michif language. Like I've taught adult people when I was living in Saskatoon at the Indian Friendship Center, working adults would come to the Friendship Center and I'd have supper prepared for them. And after we eat supper, we would do our class speaking in Michif. But it wasn't long enough, like it was only for two hours a night, a week. You can't learn Michif language in such a short time. You pretty well need to teach just about every day before they will catch on to the language. What I do when I'm teaching, like right now, I am teaching by Zoom the high school students in uh, Saskatoon. And they are doing just great because I found a way for them to be able to pronounce the words. And that is when I'm saying a Michif word, I will express the form of my mouth, the way I form my mouth when I'm saying a Michif word. And they watched me, they watched me on Zoom, how my mouth works. Clearly, very clearly, I will say the word. And another way that I had found was if the Michif word is a big, long word, I cut it down into little short syllables, which is so much easier for the children to pronounce the word. I'll give you an example. The word and I would explain to the students, I would bring that all out of my mouth, but I would cut it down in short syllables, which would be ki, pe, kini, kek. So I would say ki slash s-h-e-e slash p-a-y slash k-i-n-i slash and k-a-y-h. So you pronounce that ki, she, pe, kini, which means doing laundry. The high school students in Saskatoon in the Zoom that I'm teaching through Zoom is doing really, really good. I am just amazed and I'm really thrilled with this. Of all the people that I had taught, like I taught all the schools, all grades, and even working adults, they never were able to pronounce the words as good as these kids can. What are your thoughts on uh, teaching Indigenous languages in public schools? Okay, I think this is very, very important in schools. Like I said, when you speak Michif, it is such a, a special language. Like it makes your insides feel good. Uh, you can open up and just say anything and when you're talking to another Michif speaker, no matter if you talk about your bad life and it's bothering you, your worst life and it's bothering you, you're talking to a Michif person about it, you seem to open up. There's no lie, it's all the truth. But during our conversation, 
with myself and the Mitchiff speaker that I'm speaking to, once in a while would throw in a joke and forget about the rocky life that I had led behind for a moment and laugh about it. And then uh, go back to speaking about the problems again. And like I said, it makes you feel so good. It makes you tell the truth because your ancestors are in this story. They're in your mind. You can feel them. You can feel them when you're speaking, Mitchif, honestly. Like I, my mother passed away a long, long time ago. And when I'm talking to my sister about my past that's bothering me, well, my mother appears and my brother and my dad appears. And so I do not tell a lie to my sister. I tell her the truth. But believe me, do I ever feel good after I talk about my problems to my sister? It's a very, very important language. And if the students that I am teaching right now, I'm hoping by the time they are old enough to marry, that they know this language and that they marry into another Mechif so that they can speak. Like my husband and I here, we both speak Mechif and we speak it every day. My sisters, well, I speak to them, so I can't forget about my language. I cherish my language, it's beautiful. And that's the only way I remember my, my loved ones back there as well is when I'm speaking my language. That is so beautiful. Very well said. And I'm so glad that we're talking to you today about your language. It makes me smile when you talk about your your mother who's passed away and your father and your brother and how you're able to connect with them while you're talking your language. Very yeah. powerful, very powerful statement. I have some friends who are Mitchif, uh, Métis, and they do speak some Mitchif, although I have not talked to them in a long time. They do live in uh, Métis communities out in Manitoba. I'm very curious about this language, more so than others, I would tend to say, because it's a relatively new language that was developed, uh, I guess, in the last 100, 200 years. And it's a language that was developed when uh, the fur trade came to Western Canada and French people traveled out west and met the Cree. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, how, how Michif language came to be? I think it was a mixture of French and Indian First Nation language. Like when we had that fight in Batoche. Battle of Batoche. Yeah, the Battle of Batash, 1885. They decided that they would speak in a different language. So they mixed the French and the First Nation because the First Nation was there to help out the Métis people fighting the Redcoats. And so for the Redcoats not to understand what the Métis people were saying, this is when that language came in very handy for them. This is all I know about that rebellion of 1985 or 1885. 1885, yeah. Yeah, 1885 in Batash. I don't know really too much. Mind you, when I was working in, in Vancouver, BC, as a professional cleaning lady, I went to clean 
one lady's house who was a Métis and she come from Duck Lake and she, she was a 90 year old lady. She was close to a hundred year old lady and she spoke Michif and Arkan was her name. I knew she came from Batash because that's where all the Arkans are from Batash. And she told me that she was just a little girl when the rebellion came to Batash and how her mother had thrown her into the bush and threw branches on top of her. And she laid very quiet underneath the branches and she can see the horse's hoofs running by where she was laying. She survived that war that they had there. Yeah, it was a pretty nice story. It was, uh, it was really nice to have found her because I was getting lonely for my language and I had nobody to speak with in Burnaby, BC, where I lived for 17 years. So wow. it was nice to have her speak to me in Michif and telling me stories. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. Like I, I live in Ottawa, I've been here for 35 years and it's not often I get to speak Cree to anyone. So when, whenever I have a chance, I speak to somebody in Cree, I do. And it's, it is a good feeling when you're able to converse in your, in your own language with another person. Yes. About the language itself, the Michif language, has there been a growth in the number of Michif speakers in recent years or has there been a decline? Well, our Michif language was in critical danger a couple of years ago in uh, 2018. There were such few of us that spoke Michif right through, like to be able to say a sentence or a conversation right through all in Michif words. There were such few of us and we're all up in age. We're, we were all in our 70s, our 80s. And you know, we lose one or two Michif speakers every year. And so Gabriel Dumont out here in Saskatoon was quite concerned about that. I'm very, very happy to have Gabriel Dumont helping us to revive our language. Without Gabriel Dumont helping us out, seriously, we would have lost that language. How many languages have we lost already? Hundreds and hundreds of languages we have lost and we would have lost our Michif language. It's not Cree. Cree is okay or Soto is okay. It's our Michif language that was critically endangered. I know for the past five, seven years, we've lost so many. I have pictures of pages and pages of Michif speakers that we had lost within those seven years. Even just, just last year, we lost two of them. And there, there are some today that, are, that have dementia and they're in hospitals and it's sad. It's really sad to see. And that is why we are working so hard to get our younger generation to speak the language. We are trying to revitalize the language as much as we can. We're doing okay. Now that the schools have uh, a lot of Michif language teachers, such as the ones I'm doing by Zoom, even though we have this coronavirus, you know, so 
we're doing pretty good considering of the virus we have. Corona, Corona, yes, has been interrupting our lives in so many exactly. ways. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I read somewhere that you you wrote a book or you're working on a dictionary or or something like that. Can you I elaborate am, on that? I am. I I'm doing a dictionary for Gabriel Demont Institute. They have not these little pages that we have, but the longer pages. There's eight English words to each page. And they usually send me 151 pages. And these words, these English words, I have to write out a little sentence about this word, such as if it says horse, an example, horse. I will say joal in the middle. I put a joal, and then on the side, I have to make a little verse saying something like le joal ki shipwe or gipu shine joale pambatayan, like that, you know. So 151 pages, and I have, they've sent me bundles of them. I've already done about four bundles of them at 151 pages. And they just sent me another 151. So far, I've got 25 pages done. So I still, I still have a bunch to do, but they're not that much in a rush to have it done. So that's why I'm able to do this, this other job, such as uh, Zoom teaching the, the children. But every chance I have, I, I go to work on my uh, dictionary. It's going to be a really, really thick dictionary, but just because just imagine eight words to one page and 151 pages each time. That's five times they sent me 151 pages at eight words per page. So it's going to be a very thick, Dictionary, Mitchif Dictionary. Wow, that's quite a project. It is. <laughs> it is, but very interesting. It's kind of a legacy you're going to leave behind. And, yeah. Uh, it's a good thing that I can write in Mitchif. That's one really good thing. So yeah. the more I do there, the the better I get in uh, in writing in Mitchif, yeah. Okay. I'm almost out of questions, but I do have one more before maybe Andrew will have one or two more questions. I wanted to just ask you something about the project that came out of uh, Camberville, Manitoba, several years ago. And it was a project, a Michif language project that was developed by, part of it was done by Rita Gibosh. I don't know if you know her. Rita Flamand. Rita Flamand Gibosh. I guess she changed her name to Flamand, yeah. Yeah, Rita uh, Flamand, she passed away. Yes, yes. What was that project? It had a ton to do with, uh, was it another book on the Mitchell language? The only thing that I know that came out of there, Manitoba, was that um, Master Apprentice Program by Heather Soothy. The one for Rita Flamand, I think Norman Fleury helped her with that one. I don't know which program you're talking about. Like uh, Rita had joined an awful lot of our meetings. We used to do a lot of meetings and that's before the virus, before Corona-19 came along. We used to do a lot. 
GDI, Gabriel Demont, would send us to uh, meetings and we'd meet there and discuss about the Michif language. It was really, really nice. The nicest part I liked was a couple years ago, Gabriel Demont sent us out in the country. It was called John R. Can's Fiddling Contest. It's a big place out in the country. And she sent only Michif speakers. And we had to sit around in a circle. The microphone was in front of us, in the middle of us. And each one of us had to talk about something in our culture, such as the foods. One would talk about the foods. One would talk about the clothing. And one would talk about the toys and so forth like that. Turn about, we would speak, but nothing but Michif. Nobody was allowed to say a word of English. And that was so, so beautiful. And I'm thinking we should have something like that much more often instead of once every two, three years. If right. we want to revitalize our language, we will have to get together much more often. Like I said, one to two hours a week is just not enough. Here in Yorkton, apparently they got some funding for elders to teach the children. Now, there would be only about seven or eight children, which wasn't too bad, but uh, we had it three times and that was one day a week and it was like an hour to two hours a week. Those children can't learn, even adults can't learn at two to three hours a week. We need that pretty well every evening for the children, you know, so. Okay. Very well said. And I think that Andrew wanted to ask you a question, but you might have answered that question. Go ahead, Andrew. You have any questions for me? I just saw your question on the board there. Oh, yeah, I was... Uh... Just so you had mentioned previously that a couple hours a night once a week or so wasn't enough. And so I was going to ask, how would you like to see it taught to help Mitchiff be more successful? If you want well, to add to that. You know, it would be very, very important. When we teach to students at the school, we should also teach the teachers. The teachers should learn how to speak our language and it would be so much easier than for the children because they can have a period during the day where they do just Michif language. The high school students I'm doing, they have books. Their books are only for the one scribbler they have is only for Michif. And they break it down into syllables so that they could pronounce the words so good when I ask them, you know, and daily. It's got to be daily because you can't like, you can't learn when it's too far apart. I mean, even when I was living in BC, I had no one at all to speak to in Michif. And so when I would phone home to Regina, I would tell my sister and my brother, I, I said, whenever I talk to you on the phone, I want you to talk to me in Michif. Do not talk to me in English because I was getting very afraid that I was losing my language. And that is the truth. There was a couple really nice words that I kept inside of me. I love those words that my dad had said. 
And I used to say to myself in the house in Burnaby, BC, I would say to myself, making sure nobody was looking in the window, they think they would have thought I was going crazy talking to myself. But because I was so afraid that I was losing my language, every time I used to come to visit my sister and my brother in Regina, and I say to myself, I'm not speaking English, I'm speaking nothing but Michif. The first time I did this, I couldn't, I couldn't even say a whole sentence in Michif. I had to throw in so many English words. And I thought, gee, that's not very good. So I would keep doing it as long as I was visiting. Next time I come, I would do the same thing. As long as I'm visiting two, three days, I'm going to speak Michif, even if I have to throw in some English words. Well, I got better and better to a point where I was able to speak nothing but Michif. I was really happy about that. And then I came back home to Saskatchewan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even myself, who was born and raised speaking the Michif language, just about forgot it over there. So can you imagine somebody that has not spoken Michif and to try and teach them for only two hours a week? Not a chance. No, you have to do it daily. You have to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you have to speak the language every day to really pick it up. Exactly. Uh, you're, 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 you're right there couple hours is not enough. Speaking yeah. the language is so important for uh, your children to learn it. And you speak it every day, they hear it every day, they start to learn the language. And I find that if you don't speak it, you like you said, you start losing some words. And I thought I was a pretty good Cree speaker until I went home and I started talking to elders. And when I listened to them speaking Cree, and it was just, I realized, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not anywhere near their level of knowledge of being able to speak Cree. Uh, I sure uh, I sure opened my eyes when that happened. Before we close, uh, I want to thank you for, you know, spending the time to talk to us about the Mitchell language. We got uh, your name through the Métis National Council. We're looking for a Mitchell speaking person to speak generally about the Mitchell language itself. But you're also a teacher too. You teach a Mitchell language. So we kind of got two birds with one stone here today. Uh, we really appreciate the time you, you've taken to speak to us about the language on this project. You really made a big difference with sharing your knowledge about your language with us and your culture as well. I want to ask you before we end this podcast, if you could make a statement to the public or whoever about the importance of being able to speak Mitchell. And you can speak Mitchif when you make the statement. Mm-hmm. Okay, Malanginan, <laughs>
Shipikshkwil. Tutukik tizan fainane no tekshnamawayakuk. Dalikol gishnahamawabak amichifchishpikshkwichik. And I am so delighted to see how interested the government and all the help we're getting to revitalize our Michif language is so grateful. I am truly, truly thankful for all the help we get for preserving our language. It's too beautiful to lose. We've been talking to Harriet St. Pierre. She's a Métis elder from Saskatchewan. Thank you very much, Harriet. We wish you all the best and good health in these troubled times. And thank you for joining us and making this valuable contribution on behalf of the Métis and the Métis language. Thank you.